I took acid at home and I blindfolded myself for 12 hours and I was trying to get into my subconsciousness and really realize who I am as a person and what I really need in life. Hello and welcome to the Now Then podcast. In this conversation, we speak to multi-award winning director Andrei Gabris. We discuss his artistic process, discover his sources of inspiration, and explore the stories he's passionate about sharing. Enjoy. Now then, welcome. Yeah, I mean, we've got you know loads of questions for you. Um, I, I find it interesting that you you were like you've got some written up that you want to talk about as well, which is I think it's the first time anyone's done that. How dare, oh, how yeah. dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just really like to come prepared. But I mean, like, look, I just made, I have a crazy story to share. So I was like, and there are so many people involved. So I didn't really want to miss on anyone. And I feel like it's really important to tell like most of it because it's so unique. And yeah, I mean, I I can start and then you guys can pick up whatever you want. I'll tell you what. We're all directors and I really For like sure. to collaborate. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you feel yeah. like. I guess because we were talking about like originally coming from Latvia and how to break like more like into like the market here and things like that or, or your story into yeah film really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy journey, um, you know. So like my story kind of starts like my first memory of the camera was when I was four years old. I was a soldier who took a picture of me. It was black and white Zenith camera. And I was like, oh my God, this object, I really like it. So that kind of stuck with me. And I think like I was a really talkative young boy from, a, you know, from my very, very early age. And I was like, Granny, let's go and like start collecting coins because like there was a time when like we were walking by the coast and someone was like i don't like just throwing coins around to kind of get there because like we have this massive coast and everything it's like gathering coins and i was like thinking about this camera and then boom kind of like everything like turned black and then i'm like around isn't like when i mean like turn black i mean as in like i don't really have much of the memories of chasing the you know the film dream it was like this moment like a flash and then boom like I'm already like seven or eight years old figuring stuff out which is like permanently based in Latvia because I come from mixed family so my dad's Russian my mom's Latvian so my mom like no way we're we gonna live in there like we have to move back to Latvia and my dad was like okay fuck it let's do it and my dad is like a crazy character he was like a smuggler so he would smuggle like cigarettes and stuff because my mom's a doctor and, uh, you know, and she was earning like $4 a month. So that was not enough to survive because it was like crazy times, you know, Soviet Union just split and like shit got really bad for people. And then, yeah, we're back to Latvia and I'm like really loopy, like really loopy. I don't I don't know. I'm like kind of trapped into the fantasy world and everything. And then, you know, in school. Everyone was like, oh, this loopy dude, you know, like, and te teachers was like, oh, there's no way he gonna ever learn English. Because I went to English school and for me, that was like a new language. And I was like, oh, like everything is so different now. And then somehow my dad brought camera and I think he used it for work. Cause like, a DV, like a like yeah, DV like, camera? Yeah, like a, like a MIDI DV camera. Yeah, and then yeah. he like, he got a new job. He decided to become an engineer. He's a smart dude. It's just hard times. Everyone was like kind of hustling, so. So yeah, got a new job and then he was like shooting some stuff, like documenting some stuff. So it was not like for art purposes, it was mainly for work. 
and I grabbed it. And fortunately enough, my family was always kind of supporting of me so I could do whatever I want. Because I feel like it was just such a hard time for people back in the days when, when, the, when the union split, people didn't know what to do and everyone was kind of lost and looking for opportunities. And there was a lot of weird shit going around at that time. So they were like, yeah, do whatever you want with this camera. So I started like shooting stuff. And I was into skateboarding as well. So that's how I started. So I was doing a lot of skate videos. But then I did them in a different angle. So that I, like I would do like puppetry. So I would do like invisible skaters. So I would like put fishing nets. And then I would like animate the skateboard. So so it felt like it, it does ollies and kickflips. I don't know. Wh- whoever knows the skate, you know. It just reminds me of um, like, because one of the first skate videos I watched was like, Girl, Yeah, Right. Do you know when Spike Jones like put green screen on the skateboards? And then when I saw this, I was like, wait, is this a skate video? Or like what the, like they had these like mini montages of like the most creative shit. And I, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, this is what you can also do through a skateboard video. So cool that you mentioned it. Cause uh, that's the video that got inspired the, the invisible guy. Cause like, it was like all motion control and chroma key. And I feel like back in the days, <laughs> I just had my camera. I was like 13. I was like, how can I do the opposite? I was like, oh, maybe I do like the invisible guy. So like by the time when I was 13, I did my first skate film with like a bunch of stuff in it. And then it got picked up by like a local skate community. And then I kind of didn't stop doing stuff. So I was around 17. I got proposed to do a music video. And I was like a kind of like a rock and roll skater. So we were like touring, like living off tents and stuff. So like, I was I was not into like, oh, let's promote me. Let's do whatever. I was just like doing skate videos and having fun with my friends, you know. And then these guys came along. It was like a local rap hip hop band. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then they're like, we pay you money. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Like, let's explore it. So I've done the first um, music video and we used all the DIY stuff. So it was like exactly like in a fable mess. We had like... I was a uh, was a shopping trolley and we were doing like all of that stuff and I was like handheld uh, and I had that camera it was um, Sony VX two thousand like the local legend camera. Yeah, I fucking sold it like ten years ago and I right now I'm trying to track track this camera and buy it off because I was like, damn, it's such a you know this is what made me and I sold it for like I don't know two hundred euros back in the days when I needed money. But anyways, you kind of have to let go of things to move forward. So, yeah, so I've done this music video and it really spoke to people. I don't know. It had this love story of like a couple breaking up. You know, the first one, what would you do? You don't do like flying people and stuff. You want to do like whatever, like love story thing. So I've done that. What did you do also? <laughs> Someone singing in the field. I think it was playing <laughs> a guitar. <laughs> yeah. But you do. You kind of just go like, what are the resources around me? What can I do to put together? I don't know. You drives almost bigger sometimes i don't know when you're first doing your first one but doing it at 17 is young exactly so like yeah, exactly young. but i'm always like I'm, I'm one of these people like to learn tricks it was like heavy snow in latvia so i would have to go out like clean all the slow, snow around and skate so i was like obsessed always so that's why i'm like i'm really i work a lot so it's like from from since since i remember myself so 17, I'm doing another one and another one, and I'm kind of earning money a little bit back, like when I'm still, when I'm still getting my degree in school. And then we have massive crisis in Latvia, like massive. And people start moving to UK. Like I remember that year, I think 200,000 people moved and population of Latvia is 2 mil. So can you imagine like how many people moved? Wow, yeah. It's crazy, right? 
And it's really hard to get jobs and uh, HD is on the market. Boom, you have it. Like right now, new quality, new image. And all the rich kids are getting the cameras and 5Ds shit. 5Ds and stuff like that. Before that. Oh, right. So it's before that. Ah. So it's before that. It's a little bit before that. So when like the first like valuable HD cameras, like before they would like cost fortunes, but now you can get one under like 2, 3K, kind yeah. of that range. And I was like, I need to get money. So I'm talking to the other dude, the the guy who was like, uh, I, I was studying my 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 friend from school. He's like, everyone's going to UK. Like, why don't why don't we go? And he's like, I don't know anyone. Like, what would we do there? But since I'm fluent, like, I was like, oh, maybe I can get like uh, assistant job in the bank and I can do something like that. So like, <laughs> in a bank. <laughs> well, because yeah. like, because I was thinking like that I would qualify because I had no idea how the world works. Right? Yeah. I'm like 18. And I'm like, what, what, like, I just graduated. I'm basically, you know, super young. I have no clue. Like, I was like, oh, maybe in the bank. Because I figured that, you know, since I'm fluent and everything, like, I could have, like, I don't know. That was my kind of, yeah, like, love it. fantasies. <laughs> yeah. So, I take... I feel like he's telling... I feel like... <clears throat> The era is 1963. <laughs> and it's like before the 5D came out. Yeah. You know, I'm like, fucking hell, how old are you? Like 69. <laughs> anyway, carry on. No, 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 guys. Yeah. Are you anyway. pitching as a feature film? <laughs> yeah. Feels like yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, too. Yeah. So look, um, so I'm like, yeah, let's go. And I have like only 100 euros and I check, uh, I go online. I'm like, how much does the ticket cost? I was like, oh my God. I can't afford it. So we take the bus. I take like a 52-hour bus. We go to London and I have 100 euros in my pocket. Loves the bus. You. <laughs> I was like, how'd you get here? Because you got here on the bus. And we were like, what the hell is it? He's yeah. taking ages. <laughs> just to, you know, clarify, um, Andrzej was 30 minutes late. Yeah, I was. Because I just love the bus. bus from Shoreditch. <laughs> Yeah, I love buses. Buses are cool. Yeah, I yeah. Like buses. They, they now are... we know where it stemmed from. Mm. <laughs> the bus over from Lafayette to the UK. It's insane. Like, it's insane. It's insane. Like fifty-two hours in a bus. It's crazy. So then I took took another bus because I need to go to Northampton. That's where I went. So from London, I'm going to Northampton, and it's another two hours. But anyway, like I don't want to get to, into logistics too much. So we get in. I have hundred euros, and we stay in one place, and then kind of like living rough. I, I, my first job was here in Morrison's. I was like a warehouse operative guy. So I'm like working in here in the UK, and like with local people. So I, uh, like it was, it was, it was rough from the beginning, and then it was like bunch of stuff. Like it was, it was really rough because we had to change flats, and then we. Uh, we stayed with drug addicts and it was really tough. And I was working like before the law in UK. I think I was working 13 days and I had one one day off. So I really wanted to get this camera. I was like obsessed with work. I was like work, work, work. And then they were partying. And then I remember the time where like we stayed in this like tiny room. And they were so high. And we tried to negotiate so they would like not yell. And then they were breaking in, in in our room with knives. I was like, God damn. So we like grabbed all our things and we're like outside on the street. It's night and we need to go to work. We go to work. We're like, we stayed rough for a couple of days. We rented a small place under the pizza house, some like kebab store. And then from there, a uh, family from Ghana picked us up, me and my friend. And, and we stayed with them, um, uh, I think. I think next year, yeah, yeah, around the year, we stayed with this beautiful family. They actually were really, really cool. So yeah, um, I get the money, basically, <laughs> like in a year, I get the money and I buy the camera. And it was like a Sony Z1 camera. It was like amazing. I have like this incredible camera. And then getting back to your story, the 5D Mark II came, comes along and I'm like, 
Damn! <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just changed again. <laughs> it just changed again. And uh, I and I go back to Latvia because it was a bit like I was a bit tired from the UK to be honest. Like it, it sounds it. <laughs> it. It's a tough place. It's a tough place to be because like mm-hmm. you know it was a tough place and I was young and I wanted to come back home and I just wanted to visit because my plan was like to get citizenship and it felt like a better life in here and also like anyways. Yeah. So I go back to Latvia. And I was like, oh, now I need to sell this camera. So I sold the camera, got 7D and a few lenses. And uh, I rented a small studio and it was around 12 square meters. I had like a chroma key and I was like keying people out and doing music videos really fast to get the money and everything. So I did a few like that. And then uh, I met my wife, Julia. And then uh, from there, we opened our tiny company and we're doing commercials and stuff. And uh, All based in Latvia as well. Yeah, kind of like it was, you don't call it like big time commercials. You know the games, like like whatever is there, you do basically. Yeah. yeah. Outside of like events and weddings, I couldn't cope with that stuff. Unfortunately, I just couldn't do it. I was yeah. like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I, just, yeah. I yeah. fucking loved weddings. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that was. That Creaming was, them up. Yeah. Your, Hell, your, your it's not there. Um, Snap. So then, yeah. So then you're in Latvia, scooping all that up. Yeah. So like, let me, let me, let me, let me summarize Latvia because like a long period. So I do a feature documentary. It gets a million views on YouTube. Then we premiered in uh, in the biggest theater in Latvia. Like things going well. Um, we buy like we get into advertising. We buy a flat, the car. Then we um, kind of work with the government a little bit here and there. And uh, then Forex comes along. It's like a bunch of stuff. It's like a five-year-old period. And then, like, we have pretty much everything. Um, and, yeah, we have, like, a ma- we had a massive studio. We had, like, 1,000-square-meter studio where we were building sets and stuff. And I'm like, God, you know, like, everything feels like we kind of reached, you know, the bottom of it. Like, where, where should we go? Because I remember, like... We were working and helping out with this Eurovision song contest thing. And I was running the PR thing. And then, like, you come back and then there's no opportunities. And it kind of feels like it's so repetitive in a way. And I'm like, well, we have to break out. And then we 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 basically go to Bali. And it changes our life and, like, colors. And I, I was like, oh my God, it's such a different world. And I'm like, okay, we're young. We need to move out. So we take everything... Um, like we sell the flat, we sell the car, like we basically like restart our life. We buy two backpacks, like the ones that like the downshifters wear, fill them in with like everything that we need, like the basics and move into the capsule hotel. Oh yeah. And I stay in capsule hotel for three months and that's Moscow. Um, and I'm, and I'm like, well, what am I doing with my life? Like, what's happening? Like, why I stay here? And like all the... Wait, like, wait a minute, we're in Moscow right now. Yeah, I moved, right. we moved We moved from Latvia to Moscow because that was the closest road to... Where's Bali? Are we, are we Bali? Bali is in between because like it got me inspired and then and then afterward we moved back to Latvia and then and from there we're like, what should we oh, do? Right. All right. yeah, yeah. The rest of the Europe doesn't seem like an option because you don't have like this massive portfolio that you need in here. And I'm like, yeah. well, how I get signed in London? Probably I go to Moscow, try to hustle there, get the money and like get signed in UK. That was my plan. Okay. So I'm in a capsule hotel. It... Staying in Capsule Hotel for a few days is cool. Because you know why I chose the Capsule Hotel? Can you guess? Um, you have to tell us. I'm not too sure. Ridley Scott. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. It's so cool because I was watching all the sci-fi movies in there. And it's like so cool. Because like I didn't want to have like the... I didn't want to have something so different. So I would be immersed into complete... Like... Because before like I live in the 
nice flat, something similar to yours, right? You you have everything, you have the comfort zone, and then you capsule hotel like in with 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 a bag. So yeah, and it's, there's not really much air in there, and and I was like started seeing these lucid dreams, like with bunch of like vivid stuff, like not like kind of like psychedelic, but close, like something like really close. And I was like, well, I have to do something about it. And I like I hustle around on streets, and people are like, who is this dude? Like lives in a capsule hotel, like has all these like crazy fantasies about like breaking in the market like who is this guy so like people were trying to talk they were started to talk about me and then a photographer came in he did a few pictures of me living in a hotel he's like i want to do a short in there and i'm like no way you're fucking doing a short in there <laughs> i need to do that <laughs> so i walk like i basically walk in the street and i bump into a producer that i knew because we were like because we were doing some service in latvia so i knew some people in there it was not like i didn't know anyone i i knew a little bit here and there so and i tell him a story about a capsule hotel so i wrote a story it's basically a story about a sex worker who lives in capsule hotel and she sleepwalks back to her village um and i'm like pitching him the story and he's like well i have samsung going on right now they're looking to commission like seven music videos do you think you can like shoot it on a phone I'm like, yeah, but then like, I'll just drop my fee into it and I'll have a camera because I need something like, you know, cool. And um, back in the days, because your first question was like, how do you break in? It's it was so rough back in the days. Right now, I think it might be a little bit easier because you have so much accessibility and things changed a lot. But back in the days, I remember like no one was taking serious, like all the music videos you would do like with like all the pshapshak kind of language and people be like, oh, you know. Oh, we don't think it's going to sell in UK. So my plan was uh, that I would have instrumental music over it. So like, and I would shoot it in Bangkok because I was so in love with Asia. I was like, God damn, it's so beautiful. And Gaspar Noe. I'm like, let's go. So they <laughs> get us the money. So then we go to Bangkok. Yeah. <laughs> we They get us the money and we fly to Bangkok. So Julie is producing and... Uh, by this point, I've not left Yorkshire once. I think <laughs> you've moved down London at this point, though, aren't you? Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so we moved to so we moved to Bangkok. We do incredible film. Like we immerse. We go to all, like we 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 immerse into like we immerse into the culture. We spend time, and the actress was amazing. It's it turned out as a, such a beautiful piece. And um, I will not go into details because it's going to take a lot of time. But what I want to tell that me and my DP, we were like let's go and do like, let's, let's go do a swim. All right. Let's go for a swim. I was like, mm, yeah, big waves. And I, I can swim. Not like I'm a pro, but I can swim. And we, we, we go into the ocean and we missed all the red flags. We just don't look at the red flags. We're like, let's just go. And we almost drown. Like we get into the back car and, 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 and we're fighting for our life. And I'm like, damn you know like what's happening and my, my wife julie is like she's asleep sunbathing and we're like fighting for our life like screaming i remember I was like help help and everyone's like we don't know what to do and we somehow get out like i have this purple face looking at the sky i'm like damn i want to write something about it so the next film that i wrote is basically a story about a christian man who's looking for his dead son's body to bury it so he can go to heaven like a lot of my stuff is connected earlier stuff was connected to religion i was like this is an incredible story i need to get it commissioned and then like i get signed in london my first rap was great guns and then i start hustling here and there it's like uh it's not really interesting to talk about it's 
let's jump into Philippines. I get the money. <laughs> now we're in Philippines. I, okay. I think that is actually what is interesting to talk about, but you jump into Philippines. Carry on. I have so much to tell. <laughs> so we jumped to Philippines. Um, we, like, a uh, few great companies supported the film. Uh, we have the storyboard. And the thing why we went to Philippines, just because I was looking for a really authentic casting, I really wanted to be, like, local. So before going to Philippines, we were considering Malaysia, Bali, Thailand. And then they sent me this picture of this incredibly cool guy from uh, Philippines, from Shargao. I'm like, let's go there. So we book tickets, we go. <laughs> Uh, I meet this guy and uh, I pitch him the story and he wants to do it. And we have like a local team that supports us from Cebu and everything. And um, yeah, we're shooting this film and it was an incredible experience because it was really like tough in a way that we didn't have much budget and uh, we had to hustle a lot. And it was like complicated, but I don't think like nothing as complicated as, you know, yeah. so nothing is crazy. And, and, and who helped you with this shop? Was it was this great guns at the time? Um, they dropped a little bit of money into it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in the end of the day, the local crew produced it, and there was a few other companies. And I, I was, I think I was a bit like, I was a bit wild at the time. So I was like, let's just do it. So I feel like we were kind of like, you know, it's in like we were kind of like trying to figure out on a go. So like, yeah. let's let's just do it. We had a bit of a crew, so it was not like two people. It was it was a bit more, but it was like. It was a bit DIY-ish production, but we didn't need much because uh, the landscapes were cool. So this guy, he's so incredible. Uh, he was born on the island before there was even electricity on it. So he's like really local, local. In Chagao. Yeah. Incredible place. I've so been, we, I've been to Chagao. Oh, yeah. You know, mm. beautiful, beautiful, incredible. You know, crocodiles and uh, all these massive lizards and everything. And I love it. The color is goddamn so beautiful. So... Um, we wrapped the film and we fly to Bali because I Julie wanted to have some rest and we fly to Bali to do the cut. So I'm doing the cut, um, editing on my own and trying to figure the story out. And then one day I'm like on the bike going back home. I probably was doing groceries and like I have this mini blackouts, like like things start to pulsate. Like and I'm like, what what's happening? You know, like I didn't take any drugs or anything because I think, yeah, I was I was like years and years sober. Uh, and I was like, what's happening? And then. I get back to our bungalow and I realize that, you know, it's getting worse. So it's like really hard to breathe. The temperature start, starts rising and then pain in knees and joints. It was like things are not going well. I'm sweating. So I had dengue. That was really rough. But that thing, I was like, I need to write something about this experience because it's so profound. Like you kind of touch the place where you feel like you're kind of dying and it was like really on the edge so i was like i need to write something about it and then we're running out of money and uh, i'm getting i'm i'm already well we're in bali everything's fine we're running out of money i was like i really need to pitch so luckily i'm winning this job and i'm saying uh, yeah me and great guns we separate and then i'm uh i'm with another company called cardell uh and then they they sent me a pitch and it was uh for a local UK musician, James Arthur, right? <laughs> I know him, yeah. I've, yeah. I've pitched on a few. He's few cool. Yeah. I, 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 I haven't met him personally, but I, I think he comes from a really interesting place. Because I remember I saw him first time. It was on, uh, was it X Factor or Britain, yeah. Britain Got Talent? And yeah. he was so like 
the experience. Well, he's like of, a real dude, isn't he? Like, he's from, like a from a rough, dude. rough kind of background and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so I can really relate. Like, yeah. I can really relate. I was like, okay, he's he's cool because I remember listening to his like earlier work. Um, something with me, I connected with the track and is, um, I wrote a story and boom, I got it. And then uh, we're flying to LA and my first LA experience is so cool. Like they drive us around cars. We have Tom Felton in the leading role. James is not, I think he, he couldn't manage to go to LA. So he's like, I'm, I'm not going to appear in the music video. I was like, okay, so it's a short film now. Yeah. So that was cool. So we do that. And then it turned out to be an incredible music video. Everyone liked it. Label didn't comment. Like, they just like, we love it. Just like, go ahead, let's release it. James didn't comment on it. Like everyone loved it. So it was like, so it was like a fairy tale experience. And then I started pitching heavy in the US. And I'm, and me and Julie were like, well, we need to move to LA. Like, well, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> since all the work comes from LA, let's move to LA. And where we're now, 1999? Yeah, I just like, yeah, time travel. <laughs> Anyways, so we're moving to LA. We rent this, um, it was a cheap ass apartment in uh, K-Town. Um, I think, well, cheap ass doesn't, doesn't, it was, uh, I think it's grand and a half and you pay for like 20 square meters. In Koreatown. In, yeah, in, yeah, uh, in yeah. Koreatown. So, um, yeah, luckily, uh, luckily we already have some friends here and there. So we start hustling, but we can't afford the car. So like I'm cycling everywhere. Um, and that's the first time I ever like cycled in a big city. So I just bought a bike. I didn't even buy a helmet. It was like, yeah, let's do LA. Let's cycle. It's a gnarly place to cycle as well because the roads are so like wide. Yeah. And like long. Exactly. Yeah. And hills and, and yeah. sweat and everything. So I'm like doing a really low key, like I'm hustling. He's like, well, how can I like, how can I introduce myself to the market? It's like I do a typical thing like on Instagram. I just like look up people, see who follows, like, message. And and uh, by the time I was doing a corn music video, and I was so cool because, like, Delvin from Cardell, he was such a great guy, amazing taste. And he's, like, he had all these links, and um, he linked us up with Chris, and Chris produced American Psycho Spring Breakers, and Chris has this incredible, huge, mirrored house. So we have we have this house as a location. We do this incredible music video and everyone loves it. And it was for Korn and Korn haven't released music videos in years and years. Yeah. And since I'm, I like having music, like I listen to all kinds of music, but I listen to having music depending on the activity that I do. Yeah. Kind of like, you don't want to meditate over Korn, right? Yeah, but, I mean, Korn, I remember one of the first ever music videos I saw was a Korn video. It was the one, um, Freak on a Leash, you know, when they're in the room and all the bullet holes are in and all the lights spilling through and it's like half animation and then the bullet is just going, it's just going through different vignettes and this bullet is like smashing through everything. It's so cool. Um, that was like the first video I saw, like really saw was that corn video. So, I, you know. Yeah, same, 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 same for me. I grew up on MTV and, and, and Nickelodeon because like we moved to Latvia and I was like, well, what should I do? And my parents were working 24-7. So I was like kind of on my own from the age of eight. Like, and then I was like, oh, okay, let's watch MTV. And then from Corner, I remember that music video with the fox and it was running around the LA and it had like the human face. And I was like, oh my God, this is so wild. So for me, Corn was like a cool band. Um, and it still is cool. I mean... Um, I pitched it because I liked it. So, um, and I like to, like, I like to experiment. I don't really want to be like, oh, I just want to do whatever is cool right now. I just want to float and figure out and life will take me to a good place. So I pitch on core and we do a video, everyone likes it. And then kind of doors start opening. And so I'm cycling anyways, I'm cycling, cycling, cycling. And I'm like, I'm about to meet guys from Paranoia. That's like a tiny company in LA and they're in arts district. So that's in downtown LA. 
and I'm cycling through from Cape Town and everything seems fine. Like all these like huge, huge buildings, glossy people having their, you know, lattes and everything. And then I cycle through Skid Row and I'm like, fuck, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. Like, I, I'm just like emotionally got so upset and it was like terrible experience. Um, I mean, terrible for them. Uh, for me, it was like just observing that. But anyways, um, so I want to talk about this issue because I felt like, uh, you know, I need to do something. I need to like, I need to express myself as an artist. I can't just do like, uh, you know, entertainment. I need to do something that would be different. So um, I connect the malaria, like malaria, I connect the dengue thing with homelessness. And I write a story about a businessman who is bitten by the mosquito and he ends up on the street as a homeless guy. And luckily enough, I pitch it everywhere. And like in LA, it's a bit hard to get funding for something like that. Um, at least in my experience, it was a bit hard. And then I receive an email out of nowhere. It's a company called Bonaparte. It's run by Nico Kreis and Philip. And um, they're like, we love your work. Like, it's really cool. We're based out of Berlin. Like, do you have any scripts? We're looking to drop money into something. Maybe we want to talk about representation and everything. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, look at this malaria thing that I have. So did you write like a treatment for that? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. So you had it all ready and gone like, look, I've got this. Oh, man, I write like I... I write all the time, like, because if you want to grind, and I feel like my my story is not like a typical, like, I won the pitch and I got signed. My my thing is like, I grind. So I would write like five, six, I have a hard drive with uh, <laughs> with stories. So like, even let's say if I would, man, sometimes it was like years of pitching before winning James Harper, I kind of skipped it. But I was pitching for eight months and losing. It was like, it was a grind. It was not easy. It was like full of, I just don't want to get into like all the, oh, how I felt about this period of time. And it was so hard. It's hard for everyone. You, you know the grind. It was not easy. Like, I just want to get to this really inspirational story. And like, if someone who's listening that right now and maybe having a hard time, I just want to give give this story to people so they get inspired. So we're shooting malaria. Um, and um we um, there's an incredible actor, uh, Kelsey, who I met on Corn, and I had a tiny vignette with him, and he's so gifted. And I was like, I'm calling Kelsey. I was like, Kelsey, like, do you want to jump on board? So he jumps on board. Paranoia that I met jumps on board, and a lot of great people jump on board, and we do this project. So I felt always like I'm doing um, interesting work, but I never had the recognition. Like I didn't have any stuff picks. I didn't have any festival wins. None of these projects that I told you about. Uh, the Philip, the, the, the 1190, the one about the sleepwalking, uh, uh, Vinino, the one that I shot in the Philippines, they never received any recognition. I like I submitted it to festivals and it was like not selected all the time. And I'm like, I never did it for festivals, but I, I needed to get signed with like a bigger company because I realized like I need resources, I need people to take care of me. I can't jump in between the rosters. It's so exhausting. And I'm like, how people get to know you? I'm like, festivals. So I'm getting in and I'm just like researching and putting them in like Excel table. I'm like, okay, this festival, that festival. And then I just look at every work that's out there and I try to like see, okay, like what's the pattern? What kind of work is getting the awards? Like how does this industry work? So I feel like I spent like a month and then I'm like, well, what's unique about like, what, what, what are they missing? And I'm bumping into this cross-shaped image. It's like, um, it's like a, you know, 
let me describe it. So it's basically a frozen lake and you have a cross, like an orthodox cross, and people are diving into it. I'm like, this is insane. Like, I never seen anything like that. And then since my dad's Russian, like, I never, I've never done anything about Russia that would be a statement. Obviously, it's hard because, like, you can get in jail. But, um, and then back in the days, things are really changing politically in Russia. Um, so, mm, I think it was at a time where Putin, uh, he... Um, so he basically came up with the rule that he can, you know, be in uh, be in charge forever. So he can get reelected. I don't want to get too much into politics. We'll spend a lot of time. I want to, but I can see where you're going with it with the music video <clears throat> and about so, being reelected and. Things. So this is the music video called "Your Born." Yeah. So this yeah. is when I first came across your work actually on Vimeo. Did it get, I think got Vimeo staff picked did it? When I'm looking at your work, the one thing like that I take from it is because um, I got hooked straight away. I was like, who's this guy? And then I started having a good look through your work. It's like, it's really original. It's really inventive. You know, there's that fantasy element to it. So I guess we're kind of getting a bit more of an understanding of how you tick. But so that idea, for example, your Born, the music video, did you come up with the concept and then approach the band or? So the band, um, band is actually, um, I made friends with them because that's the band who um, gave me music for 1190s. So like they, they're really artistic and I bonded with them and we kind of made friends straight away. And it was like an easy access for me. I just called them as like, guys, I have this incredible idea. I wrote five concepts before that and I started pitching and the track was incredible. I was like, this track is going to blow. It's a great track. I... I loved it. I was like, people are going to love it. It's so electric. I, I just saw potential in this one. I was like, let me try to do something about it. So I started pitching all of these five concepts and then I realized this one works. So that's how I operate. Like I write a lot and then I talk to people. I see how the reaction works. And I was like, okay, this is something that people get excited about. So then I was like, okay, this, that's where, that's what it's going to sell probably. So, and then I started like, um, I started researching and somehow I wrote this story and it, basically um it basically portrays i guess how things are operated in russia and it predicts a little bit what's happening right now with the ukraine um like even if you look at even if you look at the planes they have the you know um the soviet flag on top of it so it's not russia so it's like predicting that they would like close the borders and and get back into the soviet union state right now it's a really weird place in there because like in soviet union all the churches were forbidden but right now it's like highly religious uh almost cult-like and then they still have like this whole soviet kind of mentality going on so it's like really weird and i feel like if you look at the video it really predicts what's going to happen and there's also a lot of easter eggs like if you if you're gonna if you look at all the numbers in in the video if you like google them you they will they will bring you to the events that happen bring bring you to like explosions bring you to like all the bad shit so if and then there's a lot of people in comments who actually analyzed it i think that's why it got so hyped so anyways so we're um luckily we got the money um and that was a lot of money and from la we, we already we already wrapped malaria so we had it but we didn't didn't have the cut and they were like okay flying over to to do um you're born and i was really cool because before i was grinding in la for like nine months solid and after corn i haven't shot anything so it's like you know as directors when you have a gap it feels yeah long. yeah <laughs> shit. it yeah. feels yeah. shit yeah <laughs> 
yeah so i'm so hyped because i can like do my own stuff so we fly to moscow it's freezing and we meet with a production company that helped us out with everything and it was um, a big it's a big music video it feels it's like huge. It's got, you know, got yeah it's huge it feels like a well like a film exactly so like we're doing this and everyone is so stressed because like um outside of it like when you're in like when you look outside from a european perspective it's like oh it's a cool music video where are you in russia and you're talking about the president and you're talking about the current states and you're making a statement about government it's scary people got scary like well, scared i mean like i remember we were going on like reckies and they were like oh we're doomed like are they gonna like they're gonna shut us down so like so like the crew and cast they were really 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 like tense so it was a really tense shoot because like they were like can we release it like what's gonna happen next so we're shooting it and it was like i can like there's another podcast about how we shot it like it was it was crazy like it was it was that winter when there was almost no snow so we had to wait for snow all the time and it would melt and then that was freaking everyone out and it was like guys were like oh let's do snow on post and i'm like no way no 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 no. we're gonna wait we're gonna wait and so there was uh i think before snow started melting we were shooting the whole sequence on ice and it was plus five everything was melting we were like we had to replace like there's a lot of post in it like we replaced a lot of snow so it basically was like you know crazy when i remember it it was such a journey so it was quite complicated and fun. We had a lot of like, uh, so the story, the, the, let me tell you the fun story and then I'll jump to the next one because I have so much to tell. <laughs> More. So like, just, just a quick one before you jump to that story. Because yeah. when I watch that music video, it feels very dangerous. You know, you've got, you've got, you know, an old guy going into some freezing cold water and that's dangerous as it is. And he doesn't just go, he jump, you know, pretty much jump straight into it, you know. Yeah, and same with the you know working working on a lake like that. Like, how did you go about that? Talk um, about, you know, to him. be to be fair, it's fairly easy. So we did a three D render of every camera shot that we planned. We rehearsed every move. Um, we had two safe safe safety divers underneath the ice. We we it's pretty straightforward to be honest. Stunt team work a lot of communication and pretty straightforward. But the funny thing is that. Okay, so we're shooting. It's happening. Like it's now or never, right? You don't have like uh you don't have like a pickup day or whatever. And then the actor who's uh who's um portraying the role of the president, he's like, I'm gonna jump in it myself. And he's like this tough Russian dude, and he's like, I've been in there, you know, when I was young, it was jumping in the ice water. I know the drill. I was like, okay, cool. So we rehearsed everything. It's like 3D, like precise measurements. We do like a lot of stunts rehearsals and we're on set. Now or never, we have like two hours before the sunset and we're, we were about to do this thing and we have three cameras rigged. So we had like the top shot. We have uh, like, basically we have coverage. So we only need like, we only need them to, to drop in. And he's like, I can't do it. I'm like, we're like, we're like, well, well, how, like, what are we going to do? And, and, uh, all the EPs, like, and he's a big star. He's like a national treasure guy. He's like a big star in there. You can't do anything with it. Like he says no. And it's basically no. And we start to think, 
And one of the EPs, she comes around, she's like, look at this bodyguard. I feel like he might work. It's like, undress him. So they undress him. I take pictures like, okay, this might work from the, from, from the back shot. And I'm like quickly in my mind. And it's good for me that I have like, I have really visual mind. So like close my eyes, like, okay, we do like this rig shot here. We, we go, we go like 20 meters away from ice. We do the close-ups. We do this and that. And then maybe on the end shot, we have, we have him fall. So we take we, we I talk to the guy and he's also he's also quite um I think he's also quite well known but maybe he's not the higher level guy so he drinks a few shots of vodka and he just jumps in the water and it works and then I'm like fuck this is so close to the shit show how many days shooting was was this video? Five days. Five days. Five days. Wow. Because yeah. of the logistics, like yeah. all the locations, like it looks like oh, it's you know the it looks like it's um, the locations are quite well picked, right? But they're all spread out, and it's really like Moscow is massive, so like it's really hard to it's really hard to get all the locations on the go. It's like LA, but with yeah, it's like it's it's like LA, but the fucking cold LA and without any freedom of speech and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so you get this. You get this video done. I get the video done, and then I'm flying over uh, to Berlin because, like uh, Bonaparte, they wanted to meet me, and they want to make sure that I do the cut in Berlin because yeah. they wanted to run the post because it was right. really important for them to be like to be a big part of the whole production. So they wanted to do that, and then I'm flying to Berlin. I already have the cut, and uh, when I'm flying to Berlin, we drop the video. And everyone freaks out because it got picked up by all the local media, like big time, like GQ and everyone and everyone like people are contacting me like from everywhere. And like, and I can't do interviews because I can't talk about politics because that was in my contract. Like I couldn't like, uh. I couldn't talk like, because I can't name people who helped me out to do this thing because like they can get into trouble. So I drop all the interviews and then like all of the companies, like all of the company and the investors are like freak out because it's because because what our negotiation was that we would name the politician. No one names the big bad guy Putin. No one. And they and obviously they did that. So all the headlights were like, look, that's a statement about him. So everyone's freaking out and then COVID happens. And then it kind of saves our asses because like no one gives a shit about the video anymore. Everyone cares about COVID. So we kind of save so I'm doing um I'm and, the, and the malaria isn't out yet. Right? No, 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 right, it's right, not. Cool. And then um and then like we Julie and I like COVID happened. Like it was like it was something completely new that no one experienced, right? And yeah. Yeah, all where, of us know. Where, where were you where were you? Berlin. Oh, you're in Berlin, right? Yes, yeah, so we're in Berlin, it's COVID, and then we do the cut for malaria, pull a bunch of favors to do all the VFX, and then we drop it, and then I started submit to festivals and out of nowhere I'm like winning i think i was i think the first one that i won it was dnid and i was like oh that's 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 cool because i didn't even know like the value of it i think i was like well that's that i was like oh that's interesting and then i was like yda and then can cleos everything and then like storm of attention people want interviews people want to talk and i'm like finally god damn it it was so hard like finally finally someone wants to talk to me i want to tell you the story like i want to tell stories i want to talk about stuff like hire me <laughs> finally <laughs> give me some work um and and i remember i was telling you i was like that's not enough i'm like i need to like because i companies started to reach out and then they were like playing they were like oh like what do you want to do where are you based and i'm like uh here and there like i want to do big stuff you know uh and they're like, yeah. So it was like long conversations with COVID. No one was really signing. And um, out of nowhere, I received this uh, pitch um, for LGBTQ network in, in, in Russia. 
And it was um, the creative director. He works at White and Kennedy in Amsterdam, Evgeny. Uh, he's there for like years. And then I win the pitch. And, and this this thing kind of like changes the way I think. And uh, it was like a massive, massive experience for me. Because I feel like I come from a place like Latvia, you know, like now you see me, I wear long hair, like earrings and stuff. Back in the days, we couldn't do that. Like they would like beat you up. I was like, I had like, a, had like a skinhead uh, sh- short cut, like, because like everyone was like, everyone was like really trying to be rough in there. Like the culture back in the days was like, if you're a man, you really have to be rough. And I always felt a bit different. I always felt like I need to, you know, play this character so i started like doing thai boxing to like and everything i was like oh i'm rough but in inside i didn't really feel that i always need to like dominate over people because i really wanted to just bond and enjoy and i didn't really want to do all this toxic stuff but no one really like was talking about it and then this music video came along it's basically a story about a queer couple been separated and i'm like this really speaks to me and i remember like also, there's so much homophobia going on. Like, I think right now it's getting better in Latvia, but back in the days it was crazy. So like, I want to make a statement about it because I can deeply relate to it. And then it took us around a year to find financing. And it was like, it's like so funny. You think it's going to happen? Everyone's like, and then boom, someone drops and, and COVID and everything. And yeah, it was, a, it was a massive journey for us to do that. And we, we did it. It was, it was, it was great. It's a cool video. Then, then how? Then for me, like, how did then uprooted come about? Oh. From, from looking at it, it, looks like that was, you know, destroyed. I was already with Stink. Uh, I was already with Stink. I had good um, income coming in, and um, I was in a really good place. I think everyone was, everything was kind of like lined up for me. I felt like finally, you know, I was grinding for all these ten years, and finally, it's there. And then, boom, war in Ukraine. Uh, and I feel like nothing in my life hit me as hard as war in Ukraine. I mean, just signing with Stink and everything, like, it felt like, okay, okay, well, cool, I also need to pitch, but then, like, every pitch that comes in, you don't feel like, you're like, war is happening in there, like, why am I trying to pitch on the commercial? It's like, I had, I didn't tell Stink about it, obviously, like, I didn't want to overwhelm him, but, like, it was a really hard uh, time for, for me and Julia. Like, of course, if you compare it to what people were going through in Ukraine, I don't want to tell <laughs> hard times, but I'm just speaking about my personal feelings. For Nothing, sure. I don't, yeah, I'm yeah. not comparing. So, anyways, so um, yeah, we're um, we're basically trying to help people, and at the time I was trying to help everyone, like signing. Uh, I was like uh, sending uh, recommendation letters and everything, and all of that stuff, and then my friend Constantine flees and then we're like sitting in the kitchen I was like we have to like do something about it and then I realized that everyone that flees they have PTSD really like really heavy PTSD and like I remember we were um so Ukrainian the cool thing about Ukrainian people is that they're so united and they would like they would flee to Berlin and they would start doing like local charity parties right and they would do like a borscht party. Borscht is like a national soup in Ukraine. It's really tasty. I love this soup. So we, we were going to grab some of the soup. And you pay, obviously. I think it was something like 20 euro you pay. And then they donate everything. So And, and they gathered a lot of money. Good, good. I mean, they're, they're incredible people. So um, we're eating the soup. And then the tray falls. Like the, the, the someone who was like the just like massive amount of uh, shit falls on the ground. Loud noise. And then... 
most of the refugees, they would just jump on the ground. And I realized, okay, that's the inside. That's what we need to talk about. So me and Constantine, we, we, we brainstorm, then I write a draft and then I, uh, then I drop email to the stink and I'm like, guys, like, well, let's, let's do something about it. And then Don Panic comes along and Rick Dodds and then Rick and I, we tweak the creative and, uh, we, we do the final copy and then from there UN gets involved and then from there we like we start we start casting. So, uh, casting is a crazy story. So, so did you 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 took that to don't panic? You you took the idea to someone? Uh we did have an idea in the first place and yeah. they they I think we developed it together. So it was more like a collaboration in, cool. in our end. But it's it was so personal and I feel like it was so relevant and uh, Rick is so sensitive also. He's such a sensitive person. So I feel like it kinda like it come along really naturally in in in, in a way. So it was like a natural collaboration. And so you shot that in, let me tell you like about, oh sorry let me on. tell you about the casting sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you got me in a mood where i'm like really i got myself in a mood where, <laughs> yeah. sorry where i'm getting really excited no i go go ahead please no uh, go for it cast well i'm, I'm just like so where 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 were you shot the uh, berlin berlin yeah because because we shot it in berlin because um constantine uh he's a choreographer and he used to do um dance festival in the ukraine like he he's like a part of the community and he had a lot of friends uh who would flee so like we had like 60 dancers that would be in berlin and they are like jobless and they all tense and they want to do something about it so like we every like everyone that we showed the script to people were like so excited and um now we started casting and we wanted all real refugees so basically um so basically we started casting and uh i'll like all the people that you see in a film that are real refugees, that means that they all have PTSD. And how do you work with people who have PTSD? And you basically have to uh, make them relive the same uh, emotion. It was really complicated. So I really needed to bond. So we took the time to do rehearsals and bond. And I tried to feel people out and see like who can go like, like I just tried to feel it out. Because when you work with professional actors and I was lucky enough to have a lot of great actors that would be in my films. Like their process is that you really need to give them the ability to fail so they can like try things out. I feel like it needs to be like a bond so they know you protect them. So you know you can try things and you know it's personal. And when I work with actors, I never um I never like speak out loud in front of everybody. And I don't do like a, I'm a director behind the playback. I would go and it's like almost like a whisper where like be like, okay, like what are we doing? Like, how do you feel about it? And no one knows. So it's only between me and them. So they know I'm with them. So they know that I'm protecting them. So that's like one of my things that I do. And then the other one, you have to give them direction. And it should be pretty straightforward. Like the more you talk, the more they get confused. And I feel like it's more like action. That's really good advice though. Yeah, really good advice. Yeah, big time. Um, and then, and then you shot it. The craziest story about the casting. <laughs> I have to tell it because yeah. it's, it, it, it makes such a big statement about Ukrainian people. So we need to have a kid and, um, it's a really heavy scene. It's uh, on, it's the, a, on the bus. It's on a scene bus. on a bus. Um, and it's a scene where a mom and her daughter get into heavy shooting. So it's intense. And like having a kid going for something like that 
was really rough. And I also wanted to have like uh, fire, uh, all the like all the sound design we did before, so people would experience it. So it so it's not like silent acting. So we had like uh, so we had like the whole thing. So, so, uh, we had like a blue audio going on, right? So we had like a bunch oh, wow. of uh, shots, like. Just... Oh, wow. And you're on the bus, right? Uh, and is the kid, is it, is, are they, is that the kid's real mother? As well? No. All right. No. Her mother is also, uh, the reason why we didn't cast the mother, because uh, actually, actually, let me tell you who's the kid, and then it will make sense why we didn't get the mother. So um, they sent me a bunch of, um, like, casting agency, they, they, they were sending me, like, a bunch of acts back, the Ukrainian kids, and I was like... Yeah, probably, but I feel like maybe we can find a real refugee kid. And they're like, well, man, why are you like, <laughs> you're in your mind? Like, how can we get the real refugee kid? She probably, like, or he, we were not really, like, tied up to gender. We were, like, really open. We were, like, trying to figure out who's going to be the best for the role. It was not about, like, precise um, UN and Don't Panic. They were great. Like, they they really, like, gave a lot of freedom to, to, to work. It was really collaborative. So um, Anna sends the tape, and she's nine. And, um, like there's, um, she's crying and, and she's really deep into the character. And I, I look at it and I was like, I have chills all over my body. I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. And there's like sounds of shooting going on. And I felt like maybe her mom, like, like, I don't know, like played back some sounds that she found online or something. Like there's a bunch of them on YouTube. And I'm like, let's get her. This is incredible. Like I want to get her. Um, and then they sent us a message saying that this video is not the callback. Her mom recorded this video in Ukraine when there was shooting. Whoa. And I'm like, we can't get the girl. Like, it's crazy. Like, how how will I push her? Like, because it's also responsibility. You can get all Gaspar Noah, all like, I'm a crazy cool director. No, it doesn't work this way with real people. You You have to respect people and you have to be kind and generous, organized and sharp but kind and generous. So it's like, well, look, I think that the mental health of the kid is more important and we can look into options. And I say no. A um, few days pass and I receive a big email from um, her mom and it's basically the kid wrote the story. So the email goes like that. Um, I really want to be a part of the project. My dad is serving in Ukraine right now. He's fighting for the country. And for our freedom, and uh, I want to be part of it because I want to contribute. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's so, do th- it. so then, did you fly them over then? They already oh, fleed. Well. They already fleed oh, at right, the time. Okay. They already fleed at the time. So they were like, when when we were casting, I feel like they were already in the middle of fleeing. So it was like, because we had a local cast, like we have, uh, we had around 60, I think 60, 70 people involved in doing mm-hmm. this and they were all Ukrainian. So like we had the Ukrainian um, mm-hmm. casting on board as well, along with the European one. So, uh, so we can get real talent on board. So we mm-hmm. would get the local, so we get the local, uh, so we get the local cast so it looks authentic so yeah i think i think that's that's kind of that's kind of how it uh came along so so yeah but that's why we didn't get the mom because i felt like 
if I get the mom, let's say, and they trapped in the bus, if they have the panic attack, okay, kid has the panic attack. And I talked with the mom, I was like, what, what are we going to do? Let's talk about it. Let's like really figure out like if this happens. She said like, look, I'm going to grab her and we will talk. I know how to like, she felt safe because they're both actors. I feel like it's a family of actors. So the mom is acting and I'm not sure what dad is doing. I never asked actually. So they know their stuff and they said, it's important for us. We want to do it. Let's figure it out. We will be with you. And I was like, well, okay, like... So she wanted to be in, but I said, look, if you both in, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to have a lot of sounds. Who's going to take care of both of you? Like, it's better if I cast someone else. And then in case something goes wrong, like we, we take Anna, we take care of her, like we'll figure it out. So at least we have a safe option. So that's why the mom is not in, in the shot pretty much. I mean, that's very wise. <laughs> It's very wise. It's a lot of analyzing. I yeah, I think I I didn't really share much of the emotional aspect of it with Sting, but I remember times when I was like so tired. Once I was uh, I was scouting because uh, I had to scout a lot of my own. I was scouting on a bike and I was taking pictures because I wanted to build the world. I wanted to pick the locations that would speak that would look dangerous. And I remember once I just like fell asleep on the train and I woke up somewhere in the other side of the town. And it was like one a.m. I'm like, oh my god, what's happening? But it was beautiful. I was on the edge. I think that's kind of what was attracting me to a lot of personal work. When you can feel that you're living in the moment and then nothing is more important than this moment and you're just in there. And that's something that I love. And then it's crazy, isn't it? And then you, you, you make the film, put it online and then you're like, right, okay, done with that. On to the next one. I always feel like that transition is so strange sometimes. No, man. No? No, it was a year. So we put the film online. And then I feel such a big responsibility to, uh, like, it was, look, it was such a big statement. Because, like, it's even, like, let's say LGBTQ network, we had uh, we had people who were, we had a media agency. And it was, like, I did a lot of, I helped a lot. Like, I did a lot of interviews and radio shows and stuff. Like, I, I spent a lot of time promoting the film. But, like, here it's different. You have people that trusted you. You have people that put their voice in it. And that represents them and i had to make sure we show it to people so i started emailing everyone i sent around 600 emails to all the festivals shows we got the film in uh paris in in pompidou we got we got it here in in the uk and uh, was it i don't remember where somewhere and we got it into so many festivals we uh we had a screening in miami we flew in the actress and she was talking about the experience we had it all over the place, my Dorka. So we were going places and we were talking about the story. And right now I feel like um, we're in the end of the campaign and I'm prepping the next one. So I feel like right now it ended for me. It was so heavy and I had such a big crisis. It was just, it was just so much of the war and everything and intense and the things were going really hardcore in the Ukraine and you always immerse. So it was really hard. So it never ended for me, to be honest. Yeah. But a lot of people related. Yeah, and it's a big responsibility to take on. You know, to, to do a project like that. It's yeah, it's massive. Big responsibility. I remember we pitched it to Nounis and, and, and they said, oh yeah, it's a great project, but like it's too visual and probably maybe like it would be too much for people because it's such a sensitive subject. But they said, look, we trust Andre will do it. Um, and yeah, and then we got it. I, and also we felt like the UN represents it better. Not saying anything bad about Nonis, they were really supportive. So yeah. it, was, it was not like a reference to like a set story. It was more like, oh, like people were questioning that. So yeah. it was a lot of 
So there's a lot of external pressure as well. Would you get it right? Would people resonate? Would they get the story? Would they? But it's cool. I feel like these are the projects that I'm really drawn to. Like you have a lot of things like that going in the UK. Uh, the latest one that I really liked, it was Max Fisher's, um, was, um, was it a mental health uh, charity thing shot on a phone? Mm. Oh my God, so beautiful. Like, Well, I think it was, I don't know if it were about mental health and suicide and it was the last video on people's phones people's phones that they've taken before right. taking their own lives right. yeah, yeah it's really seen, heavy and it's such a contrast to you know the situation yeah but yeah that's um really hard hitting pieces and they're also sensitive you know is that what as an artist what you kind of looking to approach next what's on your what's on your radar what are you drawing i feel to? i feel like just bouncing off as an artist thing because i really consider myself as one and i feel like i'm not ashamed to say it because i just feel this way and i see it like uh, I, I don't think i don't think we have to be afraid of telling who we want to be or who we are i feel like in a lot of cases, like, I don't really like the, like, I, I think I'm humble enough, but also you really need to know who you are. And I feel really that I'm an artist. But what I find to be the most complicated thing, being one, is that, as you said, you need to be really sensitive about the world, but then you need to have such a thick skin. It, and now I think I found another metaphor. You have to be as water. Because I feel like thick skin always associates with disease, right? You naturally don't have thick skin. It should be flexible. That's why it's healthy. It should be glowing. You don't have to have thick skin. You have to be as water. Because I feel like fighting water or like dictating something to water, coming to my own experience, trying to get out of water, you don't want to fuck with the ocean. You have to respect the ocean. I feel like if you can be water or imagine yourself as water, just float and you try to take shapes... And yeah, just I think that's the best metaphor I found so far. It's that kind of keeps me sane in this really harsh reality of trying to get things commissioned. But the next thing is, I'm uh, I'm writing a feature and right now I'm pitching it, and I don't know it's going to be another journey because like I can't talk a lot about like the short format stuff, but the, with the features I'm just getting in, so I hope it's going to be great and a bunch of other stuff that's going on. But you never know when it's going to be commissioned. Um, what's um, your opinions on then like representation? Because I feel like you're just a grafter and you're just a... By the, what you've just told us, it's almost like you almost didn't need... You were just doing it yourself and then the, the representation came. Because a lot of the moment, a lot of directors, especially in London, are independent. There's a lot of freelancers mm -hmm. going around. But it comes down to resources as well, like you mentioned earlier. But anyway, Karen. Yeah, um, it's a really complicated subject to talk about, to be honest. Because like from one end, like... Yo, like I think to achieve something with um let's let's call it creative partners, because I feel like that's what you need to be looking at, at least in a company. You really need to bond with people, and to bond with people, you really need to know what kind of people you can bond with. So you really need to understand yourself first. You really need to dive in. I think I took um I took acid at home and I blindfolded myself for 12 hours and I was trying to get into my subconsciousness and really realize who I am as a person and what I really need in life. Because I, I think before I was really name driven, like the craziest story, like my wife, um, she flew into Latvia to meet her mom and then she brought back photos and it was like a photo of me and I'm 13 doing Ollie over trash bin. And I, we were broke and I couldn't afford like, you know, brand element. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to like make it, make sure whoever's listening also gets what are yeah, we talking yeah. about. So Element is like a big brand, uh, and 
I just, I feel like I had this thing where I was like a kid and I really wanted to be part of the community. And some of the kids were wearing all this branded stuff that I could never afford. So I printed the logo myself and I sew it on my jeans and I see it. And I was like, this is, and I felt, and I thought about it when I was on acid. And I was like, I was really name driven. I was really like trying to get in. And I realized, um, look, I really need to talk to people and I really need to, like what I was looking for, um, that people who sign me, they care about me. People who sign me, they're passionate about the work in general. They're good people and good people, I mean like everyone is nice when, when you're hyped, but when you actually need to grind, then I feel like you kind of feel the difference a little bit. And also I really wanted to make sure that um, the house is not really full with like top on directors. I think I achieved quite a bit uh, in the industry, but I don't really feel like as a, you know, as a guy who lands all the big commercials and everything, maybe that I hope that will come soon because uh, I also need to sustain a living and everything. But uh, and also I feel like the commercial commercials is just another language. I don't really want to compare like, oh, music videos. I like to say the features is the shit. I feel like everything has its own language, right? You need to master the 30 second, one minute thing. And you really need to know how to like get the best takes and tell the story because it's a totally different dynamic to the music videos and to the features. It's just, it's just language. Like if you look at M&Ms, I really like the biggest inspiration for me is analyzing is analyzing lyrics and if you go and you like if you read Eminem's lyrics and if you see how he tells the story he knows English really fucking well the way he structures it the patterns is it's an, it's insane so I feel like I feel like for me it's the language but anyway getting back to like the representation thing oh god um I don't I don't know you have to feel it out it's always a gamble right no matter, I think the, the the best thing is like when everyone is chasing you and the worst thing is then everyone is chasing you because everyone is promising and then you don't really, you kind of like don't really know and everyone is like on selling really well because like if you go to top companies, they have the best top selling people and uh, yeah, and then I think it kind of kind of comes with the experience. It really it really depends on the person. But I would say don't really be driven by the name. Be driven by the energy. Because uh, I think in the end of the podcast, like my plan was to like thank all the people that helped me out. Because you said, look, it feels like you've been doing your own thing. But I've been doing my own thing with the help of so many people. Mm -hmm. So many people helped me out in situations like... Like when I felt like, okay, this is probably, I feel like I was always like on the edge. It was like, okay, maybe I should find a real job, you know? Cause like I keep seeing like a lot of people getting money and all the money that I ever got from advertising, I was putting in films. Like, so I would like have 10 grand, I would put nine and I have a grand and I'm somewhere in Bali and I'm like, don't have enough money even to buy a ticket. I was like, okay, what's the next step? So it was always like that for me, even now, to be honest, like I'm here in London. Uh, I feel like I'm in a healthy place. Because I signed with six more companies, I decided to separate markets. Uh, I kind of figured that the global thing have its own. Um, um, I think it's had its own uh, advantages, but there's, there's also a downside to it. And um, I don't know; it's complicated. It works for like if you look at it. Really comes down to like. I want to stop talking. Can you? Can you well, just no, take yeah, over? Yeah, yeah, just stop. Yeah. Also, just for anyone who's listening, if you're thinking about you know being represented, do not take acid and blindfold yourself, and uh, you don't need to go to them levels. But obviously, for you, it works. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Find yourself. Find yourself. Don't go to it. the woods. Because I feel like 
I feel like what we live in, like we're born in, we're born in a structure, right? You don't know, like a lot of people just don't know who they are. And I met so many people because my life is so wild. I just move around and I, I never stay in hotels. I always like sub rent. I want to like have the local experience. It's interesting how you move around so much because I always feel like, um, you know, quite grounded to, to the city wherever we're living. And I guess like even living in London, you kind of feel like, well, to be fair, it's only recently we've kind of been thinking, do we even need to be in London? But I've always felt like you need to stay in the place that you're kind of building your business or building your contacts. But for you, it's been quite interesting just kind of like being a bit of a free spirit. I need to have that because like um, my why I moved out from lab, like in the first place, um, I was never really inspired by Latvia. And it was back in the days when like, it was back before all the UK, US directors were like, oh my God, these bloke houses look cool. Let's sell it to all the, like all the top, uh, that, like all the top artists. Everyone's going to be in front of them. Look how cool Eastern Europe is. I was born and, and everyone's like, oh my God, what the fuck is this shit, 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 shit show. So like I just, why I was building like, uh, cause I, I don't really have much of this work on my website, but uh, I was like trying to create my own reality because it never felt like cool to me. So I feel like moving around kind of gives me the, it also gives you so many new ideas because you talk to so many people and they share their own stuff and then you grab to something that you feel for. So I feel like for me, it kind of works. But also, I, I mean, we do have a base in Berlin, but I like London. I think it's a cool city. Like it's so, it's fast enough to, be in shape and i think it's slow enough to find your own places and like decompress here and there definitely, definitely. i feel i feel like we 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 i think we're nearing nearing the end of the chat i, 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 I feel like i know so much about you yeah i do too i feel like i've like read a book about you <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I really wanted to it to be inspirational for people i i wanted because like I feel like what I love about podcasts in general, because like, I mean, it kind of, it sounds like I'm a really confident guy who's like grinding. And I think I'm trying to build this confidence always. Like you never wake up in the morning and you feel like, oh my God, you know, I'm the on top of the world. Because, um, you know, it just doesn't work from the hormonal balance in our body. So what I do is like, I do a lot of running, yoga, pull-ups, and then I listen to a lot of podcasts and you can bump into so many people whose life is completely crazy. And they're like, okay, there's people in there who, yeah. you know, who make it work. And I feel like, yeah, it's it's hard for artists right now with the whole, uh, you know, the world is changing with the AIs and stuff and there's all the Brexits and wars and everything and, you know, the, the cuts and, you know, how they treat us when we pitch on music videos, you guys know, and the commercial thing, you never shot this and stuff. And mm. it could be so confusing for people. What I really generally feel that directors need to be paid for treatments because I talk to so many directors and like they just going through a lot of hard time. It's such a complicated job to like be sane in your own mind just because of so much external pressure. One thing I wanted to say, I'm sorry, um, it's really important as well, especially if someone is listening and going through some stuff. I feel like in my life in generally. I was really moved by like external validation. So say you win an award and you're like, oh my God, I'm good. You post a picture and like they, there's there's a lot of likes and you're like, oh, this picture is great. So I feel like if you're in a place where like you feel uh, weak, I wouldn't say depressed, but you feel down, just try to find something that really satisfied you from the inside. So you like have to do something that gives you internal validation of yourself. 
And when you reach the point where you get the validation from you, world is a different place. I feel like we just trapped in this reality where we like have these buttons and like dopamine, 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 dopamine. And then it's really hard because like you have a great wave, then you have a shitty wave and then you have a great wave, but you don't like see 50,000 commercials a day. Like, and then you see one a month and you have to pitch on it. So it's like, you know, it's, it's hard, but yeah. And do your personal stuff from time to time, even though it's could be shot on a phone or something. Yeah. I mean, we always say that like two, two for them, one for us, you know. We always, I've always got to keep the balance. Yeah, but it's ended up being like six for them, none for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, well, mate, that's been an absolute treat. Yeah, it's that was so interesting. So Thank good. you so much I for mean, coming down. I mean, I don't even know what I expected, but that was like a real insight, man. Yeah, I've heard, uh, heard great things about you, and it's been a pleasure to meet you because I've just uh, been a massive fan of your work. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. All right, catch you soon. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>